Hello, everyone. This is Sylvain Oison from Conscious Innovation, and I'm your host on this podcast, Be and Think in the House of Trust. It's an invitation to people who love to invest in social and environmental change to pause for a minute and to contemplate and explore how we show up and where we fail to do so sometimes. When we convene people, gather resources and reshare them to ignite more positive change. It's about the human side and the grace we need to dig deeper and have more genuine positive action. So you won't find much on traditional term sheets here. But instead, you'll hear alternative ways of doing things and truly exciting independent thinking. Today, I am so thrilled to welcome Vicky Saunders, who's the founder of Coralus, formerly known as CEO. And Vicky's a connector. And that's the reason behind my secret crush here. <laughs> Coralus is a global community of radically generous women and non-binary folks supporting ventures, working through revenue-generating businesses on the world's to-do list. So I've rarely seen an international community with so much care, warmth, and learning at its core, Vicky. It's a powerful flywheel for mindful disruption and focus to change the stale, pale way of doing finance, even social finance. Vicky, may I ask you, where and how did you find the grace to initiate this movement? What happened there for you? First of all, I love the word grace. And thank you very much for hosting something that's about the human side. Contemplation, pause. This is exactly what the world needs right now. Mm. Grace is actually one of the intentions I've had for my leadership for several decades. So mm. uh, it's something that I actually practice <laughs> and work on uh, to be more graceful in my leadership. So this is, again, like to kind of come to it, there isn't, I, I find these days, a lot of people think that you just are the way you are naturally. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and everything for me has been a practice. So Again, you set the intention to be graceful and then you work on it. And everybody knows when I'm not being graceful. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And so what I do is I encourage those around me to point that out in a a way that I can receive. So I'll say, um, are you being as graceful? Like I can receive, are you being as graceful as you could be right now? And when someone says that, when you've given them the words that you can receive, like it's not a criticism, it's what you've actually invited people to hold up the mirror for you. It helps you to pay attention to that. Um, it's really hard to change yourself on your own. It's a lot easier when you have a lot of people on your team helping you with that. And so I don't view it as a failure when I'm not graceful. I'm just like, oh yeah, that's that habitual thing I do that I've been conditioned to do to be a little crusty today. Like, I don't want to be that way. And so help me not be that way. And then, you know, Notice it without judgment is the big thing for any kind of transformation. Fantastic. And and Vicky, are you replicating that or is that your intention to replicate this way of being in the world with Coralus? Can you tell us more? Yeah. I mean, so we are a community that at its core is practicing being radically generous with ourselves and with others. And so it's important when, you know, you're working together that you model the behavior that you want to see. And so the more that I can model that, the more that I see you modeling that as well. As there are more and more people in the community that model that, your community really starts to 
uh, sort of like be in that stew of generosity and do it more and more. And so, yeah, I mean, I believe the world would be fundamentally different. Our experience of our, you know, human connection would be very different if we showed up in the spirit of radical generosity to one another. We would dream bigger. We would open our hearts more. We would share the love that we feel when that we don't say uh, when we're with somebody. It just it would create a very different experience. So yeah, that's a, it's a goal for sure. It's a goal, a practice, a journey, a direction, a feeling, intention, the whole thing. Yeah. So I can hear that some people's internal voice might say, well, what is that? Radical generosity is a bit woo-woo, finance, radical generosity. Well, yeah, you got to choose, right? But actually you created the first regenerative capital economy based on radical generosity. It's not grants, it's an investment, it's very little waste. I mean, we know it's not a secret that uh, 99%, if not more, of uh, people you've invested in as a group, as a collective, repay within five years, right? That's correct. Yeah, we do these 0% interest, five-year loans, and we're flexible on the repayment terms as well. Like if people are having a hard time for a quarter, they can defer their payments. And yeah, I mean, it really works when you are, again, uh, we're, a lot of investment is done in a sort of transaction way. I'm going to loan you this money and I'm going to get this kind of return. Uh, and uh, ours is not done that way. It's it's done kind of in a bit more of a gift format. And it is a loan that we expect to be repaid. But it's the money is only one part of our relationship together. The The generosity of spirit in the community extends to making connections for these people, introducing them um, to people in your network, using your influence to open doors for them, becoming customers, emotional support, like all kinds of different things are important for our collective success. Money is like such a small part of it, but we've been very conditioned to think it's the only thing that matters. And it's really the smallest part is important, but it's not everything. Hmm. How do you convince? Because I'm hearing the zero percent interest rates, and and some people might already faint about that. <laughs> but you just explained that there is a return, a return on connection, a return on growth, a return on learning, and and so there there the two big groups, and sometimes they merge. Yeah, you've got the activators and the venture leaders. Can you tell us more about the mechanism of how that works? Yeah. So the way that this works is we each contribute a small amount per month, $92, uh, the equivalent in the marketplace that you're in, uh, wherever you are in the world. And this money gets pulled together. And we, as a community, um, decide where that money goes. Um, and so ventures apply, really simple application process. We're looking for those who have world-changing ideas, who are trying to transform systems that are rethinking business, that are rethinking how you do business, what a workplace can look like. Um, so we're, we're not looking at the extractive high growth, just get me a return at all costs. We are looking for businesses that are healing uh, and that are solving major challenges we're facing. We collectively decide, so we trust the intuition of hundreds of women to just what do you think the future should look like? Pick the businesses that you think really matter. And then we all go on a journey with them. They get these 0% interest loans, which they pay back over the five years. And then we all help them. And so being part of this community, you literally feel like you're part of that business's success, which is the, it's the collective experience that we need to practice because we're so it's so ingrained in us. And we're so conditioned to think that we're separate and that we're individuals 
and that I have to just take care of myself and not worry about everybody else. And like we're seeing with climate change, big metaphor in front of us, that like we are all tied up with each other. We're entangled. My liberation is tied to your liberation. I can't be free until you're free too. And so in this way that we're doing um, support and loans to women entrepreneurs, it's designed as a collective experience to remind us that together things are easier and together we will actually transform things. Individually and isolated, we stay stuck in the same loop of scarcity, feeling alone. Because mm-hmm. I see what working with that social entrepreneurship and social impact ecosystem, there's a lot of good you know, thoughts around, yeah, we need to do things collectively. We're doing things collectively. And actually, there's a lot of loneliness still in the sector as well. But you flex that collective muscle in practice every day. You, Vicky, for instance, um, you know, when you lead a movement, it's, it can be, uh, can be sore sometimes, no? Oh, yeah, this is for sure the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> you know, because like you sort of get used to your own like weirdness and foibles and like all the things that you have about you. And then if you, you can kind of deal with that, but then like add in 12 other personalities with 12 different truths and then add in thousands of those and like all these different perspectives um, it, it's harder. Like working with humans is not an easy task, right? Like it's a simple thing to do. Oh, we'll just collaborate, but like actually collaborating. So everyone feels included and loved and cared for and heard is a really different thing. But really, I think that's the only thing we all need to practice. How can we all live together and help one another reach our dreams and our goals together? That is why we're here uh, in my perspective. And so we've got this shared project that we work on to do that. And sometimes it's hard, but like I have learned over the last seven years of practicing in a community where I was very much an isolated individual actor prior to this, for sure. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm in tears a lot in this community because it's like, it's an amazing thing to have thousands of people go, yeah, that is a really a good idea. We should all be doing this together. I like what you're doing. And to, to witness that kind of support for a dream that you have is quite overwhelming. And, you know, one of the biggest barriers that I've faced in my own leadership around this is accepting, being open to receiving people's gifts and support because we're very conditioned to go oh no i got this i got it it's okay i don't i don't need your time i don't need your whatever but when you say no to people trying to help you you cut off the relationship you cut off the opportunity to to care for one another and to share what we each have and so that's been a whole thing because like asking for help and then receiving help the other part of it is really core to doing any kind of collaboration and um most of us aren't practiced at that. So I think that's, that's been the hardest thing for me is just get open to receiving from others. So you had a previous life as an entrepreneur, it's quite successful one. And so are you saying that the difference between before and now is that before by not being able to receive the same way you do now, there's, you know, it's as if a little piece of you die every time where you say no to receiving help. Yeah. And it's also like, it's way more joyful way more fun and a lot easier to entrepreneur with other people. Way easier. You know, in the past, I'm of a different sort of vintage of like the new entrepreneur now. I'm in like my late 50s. But, you know, we used to teach people and maybe some places still do this, that you have to know everything. You have to understand all parts of your business. And like the new paradigm is I'm amazing strategy, connector, 
community builder, sit like storyteller. I'm amazing at all those things. Um, I can do other things. Like I can do procedural kinds of things. I can do analytical things, um, but they're not, they don't energize me. And so I have learned to surround myself with all of the things that don't energize me. Um, and so I, that's how I built my network. I'm like, I hate spreadsheets. Who loves spreadsheets? And so I have a network of those people. And when I need to get those things done to do projections, I call a person who's like, I love that. No problem. I'll do that right now. And they support. And it's just like, at first I was like, what? People like doing this stuff that I hate doing? What? Are you kidding me? This is amazing. What a discovery. <laughs> uh, and so now I, you know, when you surround yourself with folks who want to help you based on the things that you're not great at. I mean, it just, everything's joy. They love contributing because it's their thing that's easy. I love um, providing connections to anybody. I have like just a humongous network that helps your things go faster, right? Like if I know somebody who can do something in 15 minutes, it would take me two days. I'm like, what a joy. I ask them, they're psyched to help then they get to understand a bit about your business and they tell their friends the things they're excited about. It just creates this like real ripple of goodness and connectedness, which makes us all feel part of something. For me, the business is really a container, um, a method, a, a way of like transforming myself and creating connections. The content that we're doing is like, really, we're here to connect with each other and share our gifts and, and receive other people's gifts underneath everything. That's what I think we're here for. Wow. So Vicky, I know that you can't just share your, maybe your top favorite venture because there would be neglecting the thousands of others, all the babies that have been made possible, but it's lovely decision-making process. Um, but is there, and again, it's by no means, it's just because it's the top favorite one, but it's just the one that maybe speaks to you right now, right here, as we're talking together, maybe an example of a venture that moved you, that may say, yeah, damn it, I want more of that. Yes, absolutely. So, and again, it kind of comes to the collective versus the individual. We've changed our name recently from CEO to Coralis and, and like are in a big transformation moving from like a focus on the individual to focus on the community. And this morning on LinkedIn, I read a post from one of our ventures, so it's top of mind. Uh, and their name is Chia, Chia Sisters um, out of New Zealand. And this venture continues to blow my mind because from a conventional perspective, they are a solar powered juicery that uses like all these new antioxidants, all kinds of discovery around uh, plant based medicine, essentially, that goes into their drinks for performance. They start, so you're like, oh, okay, a juice company, right? You could look at it and just go to, oh, it's a juice company with a bunch of like great environmental practices. And they're doing fine. They've, but they're not Coca Cola. Right. So depending on how you look at it, you're like, whatever. But what I have watched this company do, which really blows my mind, and I think this is part of the thing where we have to look at what is success in a business, they decided that they wanted to be net zero. So they went out and they changed literally every single part of their business, learned everything they could about sustainability. And now they're actually a carbon positive company. And they then worked with all of their community locally to share how they did that. And then it expanded beyond that. So all across New Zealand now, their model of how to be net zero or carbon positive has been shared. So it, they rippled out into the ecosystem well beyond their business. And now their whole thing is like waste reduction. And like, how do we have no waste at all? 
And again, they approached it with a couple of partners that they'd worked with on the other stuff. And now they've launched a whole nationwide in New Zealand process for having no waste in your business. And so for me, this is this is the systems transformation stuff where you have a business that's sustainable that figures it out themselves and then starts to share it and creates these like ripple effects that are well spillover benefits well beyond their business. That's the kind of leadership in the future that we get to support here in this amazing community at Coralis. It's not like you have to be as big as possible with as many as employees exporting to every country. It's they're using their leadership in a different way to transform the entire sector to have better business practices. That to me is like absolutely beautiful and doesn't show up in a stat of like, what's the revenue? How many employees do they have? Right? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, there's, there's that sense of um, we're moving away from power over to power with. And and I wonder, when you talked about this venture, I was feeling, oh my God, a traditional investor might have stopped that. Oh, that's a juicing company. I don't know for me. It strikes me that you help to shepherd old investing routines to a good death. Yeah, because you're also kind. You don't just chuck them out. You still take the Excel um, uh, skills with you. So you. You can still stay around. What else do you need to shepherd uh, to a good death? Well, I think this reliance on sort of traditional metrics, and it's like it's a giant inquiry. The, the world has not decided what are the metrics that really matter for the new world. For our survival. We don't have a shared vision on that. So in the past, our shared vision was just like profit. Um, and then it was, which is hopefully dying shortly, just growth. Growth at all costs. Didn't even matter if you made money, right? Like just look at what Silicon Valley, it's just like take over a whole market, use your venture capital, massive investment to try and become a monopoly has been the game for the last decade. And now people are like, oh, that doesn't, well, it sort of works. We have like five companies, basically like, like the monopoly on everything. Um, and most sectors have like one or two or three players at the most. So that kind of whole thing is over. And then those business models are all extractive and they're harming us and we know it and we're stuck in this loop. And so we need to reinvent business that scale needs to be healing as opposed to extraction. And uh, this is a very, very big paradigm shift that everyone's uncomfortable with because in most dialogues it's or narratives that we have out there, it's like, how could it be a, an economy unless I'm personally making money? People don't, like, they find that very confusing. And so how can you have 0% interest rates? You're not maintaining the capital. I'm like, yeah, we're not here to maintain the capital. We're here to actually create impact from businesses that will actually heal our communities so that we can survive on the planet. That we think is more important than getting a return financially. The return will be there for the citizens, not the consumers. First, they're much more than consumers; they're citizens. Yeah, it's a return on life. Like, would you like to continue to live? What are you going to do? Like, when we run out of everything, eat your money? Like, <laughs> there's what's the point? Yeah, live or die. That's the choice here. So, I wonder where else would you like this model to apply? You know, practically having this no nonsense, radical generosity spread wide and large. Where else could we do that? And you know, in mental phases. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so basically we've shown that you can actually have this model where you regenerate capital and you just keep it rolling forward perpetually to create all kinds of very positive impact in your communities. We've shown it's possible. We would love to see, and it has nothing to do with women or non-binary folk. Uh, You could use this anywhere. We could do this on my street. We could decide that we want to support every, like everyone on the street, everyone puts in a bit of money. We all become customers and advisors and help them and support them to be successful. You could use this kind of a model 
with a small amount of your capital and just create these connections locally, deepen our relationships with each other, start to understand the challenges that we're facing to transform businesses in front of us. Um, and, you know, in many ways, it does feel like we're quite incarcerated in a way of thinking about what is business, in thinking about what our, our world can look like, and we need to start dreaming. And so this incredible community uh, at Coralis is dreaming in different kinds of futures. Every year, we're like, what, what could this year's economy look like as we pick these businesses? And it's the, the collective intuition that brings in something very different than if we were just looking at a bunch of financials and trying to figure out how to make more money. It's just a very different vibe. And we need to do this in the world. We have to rethink what this is going to look like. This is interesting because when you do, I'm going to do a lot of foresight and future thinking. Actually, this approach, methodology of dreaming, imagineering, playing with merging concepts, far and large, that look audacious or outrageous for some, it's actually a way to uh, anticipate the future, right? So it's a proven methodology. It is. And I mean, so, you know, we have people that one time put in $1,100 over the course of a year uh, as an activator and then, you know, went on and did other things with their lives. Their money is still here, still rolling forward. We funded, uh, you know, as of the next month from now, like over 170 businesses. You have like 15 or $16 million that has come in in $1,000 increments, one by one connected to a person. And all of that is just rolling forward, regenerating. We loan it to somebody, they pay it back. It goes on to the next person who then pays it back. And it just keeps cycling forward. This is what an economy could look like instead of like taking out everything and holding it for myself separately uh, and not, you know, being part of a community. Mm. You're like a bee. Hey, Vicky, you remind me of bees. That's a bees community. That's what they do, right? In their garden, one yeah. thing at a time, very carefully, beautifully. So Vicky, you're talking about dreaming and white space and imagining. And I think you've recently jumped on a lifetime opportunity to walk the path of Santiago de Compostela, right? I did. I did. Yes. And I wonder what is now available to you that you didn't see as possible, you know, when you began that journey? So I took off um, five and a half months last year and went on a sabbatical. And I, the first thing I did was walk uh, the Camino in 33 days. And one of the the biggest lessons coming off that, I'm a kind of like a productivity, efficiency, uh, I don't know what, like obsessor (laughs) I was in the past, you know, get me from A to B as soon as possible. How many, it's 800 kilometers. Okay. How fast can I walk that thing? Um, (laughs) Yeah. And what shifted in that is I, I've been going at a very fast pace, probably faster than I can feel for decades, mm-hmm. uh, just constantly onto the next thing, innovating all the time, creating new things. And on that walk, I slowed down to what I, you know, uh, learned a phrase, the speed of life, the moving with my feet, with the heartbeat of the earth, that is the pace of life. And anything that goes faster than walking, we get in a car, then nature becomes like a block to us getting somewhere faster and we get more and more separate from nature. And on this walk, as I slowed down, I started to really see things a lot more clearly. I started to feel connected to nature. I started to notice a lot more of the resources that are around me. The slowing down has helped me to like really deepen and understand um, where I was just spinning in order to get things done versus what really, really matters. So I feel like I have a lot more insight into 
the longevity of our human experience, the, the, how we can be effective and what really feels, uh, feeds the soul essentially. So it was a very, it was a transformative experience in a big way. Well, wonderful. So slowing down to connect and, and find a pace that, that matters and that really does something. Um, Vicky, finally, often ask our, our guests or friends around this virtual table here to maybe to donate a question to um, fellow investors or would-be investors, would-be responsible investors. And I wonder, what would you encourage them, your fellow investors, to, to think about if they feel a bit reserved about radical generosity and if they haven't paid attention to the previous 20 minutes? Yeah, I, you know, uh, there's a, such a funny thing. I, I speak all over the world at lots of the different organizations, big, huge banks, et cetera, small angel groups. And I'm always struck by this thing that people say, which is, oh, that sounds so inspiring, so amazing, and wow, what a cool idea. But we could never do that because it's based on trust. You have to trust people. <laughs> and I always just sit back and I'm like, did you hear what you just said? Yeah. Like, this is the whole point, right? We're at such a weird place that we don't think we can trust each other. And so I would encourage anybody to like get into notice where you're trusting things in in your world and how much that feeds your soul and how great that makes you feel and look at the places where you have these massive elaborate systems in place to try and deal with not trusting it's extremely expensive it's very very expensive to pretend that you can control things and it's not true at the end of the day control is wildly expensive trust is very inexpensive and it feels way better so we're in this like system that's like controlling absolutely everything, including behavior. And we need to unwind ourselves to a more trusting place. And so I would encourage anyone to like, at least dip your toe into places where that's true and start to notice how much more powerful your world could be if you were in that place. Wow. What a wonderful way to, to end this conversation and thinking moment, because especially when it's beautiful Sedgwick in trust, in the house of trust. And I really appreciate that, that, that grace of yours again and, and, and your, um, how you helped us just um, reflect incrementally on how you build a radically generous community. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for all you're doing. I love this. Control is widely expensive. Trust is very inexpensive and it feels way better. So what's the place of trust in your team, your networks, your system, and what can you do right here, right now in this context to amplify trust? I would love to hear your views, your stories and insights. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the show and share this episode and the previous ones wildly and widely. They're available to listen to on all your favorite podcast platforms and are completely free. For more insights, events and resources on how to think independently for yourself and as yourself and ignite your social impact, you can head to my website, servanemoison.co.uk, get my regular conscious innovation updates. You can also find me on LinkedIn and leave me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Goodbye.